Method and Madness is a true crime podcast dealing with events of violence that may be disturbing to some. Listener discretion is advised. A rejected man seeks his revenge on a former lover by stealing her identity and posing as her on Craigslist. This is Method and Madness, Episode 19, A Craigslist Stalking. I'm your host, Don Gandhi. The body was dismembered. A ransom note was discovered. Hiker stumbled upon the nude body of a local... Police are looking into the brutal slaying of a young woman. There may be a clue in a released 911 call. The victim said she was stalked for five years. Held captive inside a storage container. It was a twisted mix of obsession and revenge. No weapon has been located. Shot while asleep in their beds. Revenge. Method. And madness. I don't care if it hurts. I want to have control. I want a perfect body. I want a perfect soul. I want you to notice when I'm not around. In 1992, Radiohead released their hit song Creep, which became a huge hit the following year, embraced by Generation X, and is still related to by anyone feeling rejected. I want you to notice. It may have a sort of romanticism to it. It sure did during the mainstream success of grunge, the lovesick, poetic soul sitting at home, watching the rain from their bedroom window longing for their ex, or maybe the person that they never even had a shot with to begin with. Those words, most times, just innocuous feelings of rejection. Now take those words and apply them to a dangerous mind and it takes on a new meaning. In 2012, 51-year-old Brenda Schumann of Vero Beach, Florida, stormed into the home of her 42-year-old estranged husband late one night while he was in bed with another woman, a woman aged 33. Brenda was holding a rifle and threatened to kill both her husband and the naked woman in his bedroom. This led to a struggle for the weapon, which Brenda ultimately lost. Once the rifle was wrestled out of her hands, Brenda did the next best thing. And as Huffington Post so eloquently put it, she dropped a deuce on the kitchen floor. Yes, after urinating on the hallway carpet, she defecated on the floor of her husband's kitchen. Allegedly. She then grabbed a second rifle and began destroying objects throughout the home, Christmas decorations, wall mirrors, photos. She was arrested when police found her hiding later in a nearby apartment. When questioned, she said, I found him in bed with a naked chick. What was I supposed to do? She was later charged with two counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, battery, and resisting arrest without violence. She was acquitted on the charge of resisting arrest, and all other charges were eventually dropped. Between August 2018 and March of 2019, a Hawaii man sent more than 500 people to the home of a family living in Utah through what authorities called extreme cyberstalking. The target was a married couple and their adult daughter, Lauren Okamura, 44, of Oahu, started off his harassment by stalking the daughter through emails, 
One of them read, Sleep with one eye open and keep looking over your shoulder. He left her multiple voicemails daily in addition to posting her photos and address online. He even urged her via email to kill herself. While the nature of Okamura's relationship with the Utah woman hasn't been made public, police have said that it was not a random stalking and that it was done in a very targeted, intentional way. The stalking escalated, and soon people were showing up at the Utah home to perform services they hadn't been hired for. Plumbers, locksmiths, food delivery, you name it. The knocks on the door initially weren't much more than a nuisance. The family answering the door to find a repairman or a food delivery that they knew nothing about. Over time, however, there was a drastic increase in the number of people arriving on their doorstep, and the family estimated that on some days, 20 different people would show up. And then sex workers and drug dealers started to show up. Throughout the time period of the harassment, police responded to the home approximately 80 times. The harassment went on for months, to the extent that the Utah family, scared to death, posted a huge yellow sign in front of their home, alerting anyone that arrived that they were victims of a scam and they were to contact the North Salt Lake Police to make a report. The family installed a locked gate and police loaned them one of their patrol cars to sit in the driveway as a deterrent. The cyberstalking was ultimately traced back to Okamura, and he was arrested in a Honolulu supermarket in November 2019 and charged with two counts of cyberstalking, two counts of transporting an individual to engage in prostitution, and a count of interstate threats. Per a plea deal, Okamura was sentenced to one year with credit served and three years of supervision and ordered to adhere to strict limitations of the internet. He appeared in court via video conference in May 2021, where he apologized to the U.S. District Court in Utah. He is currently receiving mental health treatment. In addition to using food delivery apps, company websites, and the like in order to send unsuspecting people to the residence, Okamura had also used Craigslist, posting the family's address and requesting drugs and sex workers to come to the house. And that brings us to our featured case, one that involved a man harassing his ex through phone calls and slowly escalating to identity theft and stalking through the use of Craigslist. Let's dive in. A 64-year-old woman in Virginia was living in constant fear, distress, a perpetual state of anxiety. The headlights approaching her home, the footsteps down her sidewalk, the ring of the doorbell, these were no longer welcoming to her senses. She'd peek out her window, hesitantly, fearfully, what was next? The locks, the gate she had installed, the no trespassing signs weren't even helping, particularly when a man with a crowbar showed up and pried his way through the gate. She wasn't a prisoner in her own home. She was a target for harassment, for an intentional assault, for people to come and go as they pleased. 
Court documents refer to the woman only by the initials L.M. And to ensure she doesn't receive any more harassment, I'll refer to her as the same. In 2011, L.M. was dating a 51-year-old man, Kenneth Cuban, who worked at the Library of Congress as a film preservationist. After six months, L.M. ended the relationship. After the breakup, L.M. immediately began getting harassed by Cuban. First, it was the phone calls, multiple times a day, multiple voice messages, the refusal to let it go, to move on. He was showing up at her home uninvited. L.M. realized that asking nicely wasn't working. Standing up to him wasn't working. So after weeks of phone calls, she changed her home phone number to one that was unlisted. Cuban just wasn't having that. It enraged him. After all, in his mind, he should be able to contact her anytime he wanted. He retaliated by contacting Verizon and informing them that L.M. had died. Her phone, internet, and cable were shut off, and it took her a month to get the issue resolved and to have her services reconnected. Cuban then called L.M.'s workplace and had her pulled out of a meeting to inform her that her home was on fire. She left work, rushed home, only to find that it was a sick prank. L.M. did what she could to stop the harassment. She filed a restraining order against Kenneth Cuban. But restraining orders generally only work on people that are rule followers. And Cuban wasn't about to follow any rules. He was about to find a loophole. Maybe he couldn't be within a certain amount of feet of L.M. or her home, but that didn't mean she would be rid of him. Shortly after the issuing of the restraining order, L.M. began getting visitors to her home in Virginia, men knocking on her door who told her they were there answering her ad on Craigslist, men who were there to buy pornographic videos, and men that were there for sex. Of course, L.M. hadn't posted any ads on Craigslist and sent the men away. The situation then began to escalate even further, men showing up that had traveled across states to get there, and some who refused to leave. L.M. called the police to her home, and in all, they responded dozens of times during this period of harassment. Meanwhile, L.M. began scrolling through Craigslist looking for the ad, and she found it on the Casual Encounters section. The post read, Senior Lady, Woman for Man, 66, Virginia. I'm a senior lady who is looking for some fun and adventure in my life. Would like to meet a gentleman that is in his 50s, that is hung, and that can give me pleasure. Please reply with a picture, and I'll reply back. ASAP for a real person. LM flagged the posting as inappropriate, but another post would pop up, and she'd flag that one again and again. In fact, flagging the inappropriate ads became somewhat of a part-time job. The men continued to flock to her home. They jumped the fence and walked to the front door, and LM tried to protect herself as best as she could by installing security cameras a security gate, and multiple signs that alerted anyone on the premises that they were uninvited and were trespassing. 
Police were called in and would literally chase many of the men away. The signs were not deterring them. LM telling them to leave her property wasn't working. And there was a reason why. The men responding to the ads were told by the poster posing as LM that she had a rape fantasy and that the security, the signage at the home, her resisting was all a part of the fantasy. One man was urged via email communication to bring a crowbar with him to get through the security gate, and he did. In total, three men were arrested at LM's property for trespassing. One man that showed up from Boston was a registered sex offender. Finally, in early 2013, law enforcement launched an undercover investigation to catch the perpetrator, who LM was sure was her ex, Kenneth Cuban. But proof was required to get him arrested and prosecuted. While putting together their case, law enforcement had deputies posted at Ellum's home to keep her safe. First, the agents issued a search warrant to Craigslist to find out who was responsible for posting the ads. What they found was that the IP address was traced to Kenneth Cuban's home in Riva, Virginia, while other ads were traced to a location in Culpeper, Virginia, which turned out to be the Library of Congress. Kenneth Cuban's workplace. He was using both a personal email and his work email to set up and respond to the phony ads. A sting was done to gather evidence and begin what the agents were going to be doing, going undercover as men seeking out sex with a woman. While undercover, they started responding to one of the Craigslist ads using three different email addresses to make it appear that it was three separate men. One agent sent a message to the poster on January 31st, 2013, saying, I'm just getting done for the day. Can we meet up? The poster responded from a Yahoo email account posing as LM and said, sure can. Here's my address and gate code. My gate has been giving fits, so you may have to park and walk up my lane. Sorry. A photo of LM was attached to the email. On March 12th, one undercover agent went to LM's home and messaged the Craigslist poster to say they were outside. The poster responded immediately with a message that read, Yes, that's my home. Oh shit, I forgot to unlock the gate. Just park by my mailbox and walk up the lane. I'll meet you at the front door. Each time agents got a response, a photo was included in the message. The photo also left a digital fingerprint and was traced back to a photo on Kenneth Cuban's personal computer. A forensic copy of Cuban's browser history was obtained from his business computer at the Library of Congress and showed that he had routinely accessed Craigslist during work hours, despite the warning upon every login that stated any use of the computer should be for business purposes only and that any and all activity could be monitored by the library. Armed with the evidence that Kenneth Cuban had posted the multiple ads was 
behind all of the email communications and the photos and that he had given each man the home address of the victim, he was arrested and charged with felony stalking. At trial, he pled guilty and admitted to posting more than 165 ads on Craigslist. 54 of them were posted from Cuban's personal computer, while 111 of them were from his computer at the Library of Congress. And in November 2013, Kenneth Cuban was sentenced to 66 months in federal prison. This is a disturbing case where the stalker was purposely trying to cause an assault to a woman, a deliberate targeted act. Now, while any form of targeted harassment should be taken seriously, what's so bothersome is that Cuban wasn't just trying to be a nuisance. He wasn't just trying to be seen or to get back together with his ex. He wasn't trying to annoy her or ruin her day. He posted 165 ads in an attempt to have a woman raped. Stalking's a crime that, with early intervention, violence or death can be prevented. L.M. was incredibly fortunate that she was not physically harmed during her time being terrorized. According to the Recon Typology of Stalking, intimate partner stalkers are at an increased risk to their victims. They're more likely to physically approach their victim. Their harassment is more likely to be insulting and threatening. They're more likely to use weapons, and their behaviors are more likely to escalate quickly. A 2012 study in the journal Aggression and Violent Behavior stated, quote, Motivations for stalking include a delusional belief in romantic destiny, a desire to reclaim a prior relationship, a sadistic urge to torment the victim, or a psychotic over-identification with the victim and the desire to replace him or her. Research shows that stalkers are often struggling with mental disorders, including psychotic disorders and delusional disorders, which can give the stalker the false belief that someone is in love with them. This often happens when stalkers are obsessed with celebrities. In a study published by psychologists at Fordham University that partnered with John Jay College of Criminal Justice, 137 stalkers were interviewed in an attempt to analyze the various behaviors and characteristics. Of those interviewed, 72% met the criteria for clinical diagnosis, uh, psychotic disorders, mood or anxiety disorders, substance abuse, and personality disorders. So 7.5 million adults are stalked annually in the U.S., and yet it still remains an underreported and misunderstood crime. Of the female victims, 77% are stalked by a current or former intimate partner. If you're a victim of stalking, there are steps you can take to keep yourself safe. Experts say that documentation is key log everything, file a police report, and preserve any evidence you can. For more resources, please check the show notes for this episode. And bottom line, law enforcement needs to recognize these behaviors and take these reports seriously. There's also training that law enforcement can take. So please, if you need to urge local law enforcement to take these trainings, I'll also put that information in the show notes. 
Thank you for listening to Method and Madness. This is an independent podcast, so if you like it, go ahead and leave a five-star review. It really does help. You can find me on Twitter at MethodPod and on Instagram at Method and Madness Pod. If you have suggestions for future episodes or you just want to say hi, please email me at methodandmadnesspod at gmail.com. Method and Madness is a true crime podcast dealing with dark and disturbing subject matter. For crisis support, text HELLO to 741-741. Thank you.